0: Um, and there really seems to be in our culture today a consumer mentality. Um, and it's amazing because uh, I've been on both sides of this spectrum. Uh, there has been times when as a, as a church planner in Indianapolis, you have all kinds of people coming in because the word is out that there's a new church starting. And uh, as, a, as, as the word gets out, people come in and they say, well, what do you have as far as ministries? Oh, we, well, we do this and we do this and we do this. Yes, but do you have this, this, and this? Oh, you don't. Well, I was really hoping to find that. You know, and then off they go, and I remember thinking, man, all the wind is out of my sails. Until so you begin to realize that that's okay. Because God places in the body those that He sees fit to place them where He sees fit to place them. And so that's exciting to know that God's in control of that too. But it just goes to show us that there really is a consumer mentality out there that really, when people come to a church, they kind of see, what are all my options? Well, I've got this church over here, and I've got that church over there, and this one right over here, and this church has this, and this church has that. And I've heard it a million times. This church has an incredible worship team. I mean, every one of those guys are gifted. And this group over here, well, they've got a phenomenal youth ministry. It's just like it's to die for. And this, this church over here, and I've heard this, they do steak every time they have a men's gathering. You know, it's just like, I'm going to that church, you know. But there's this, there's this idea that in, in churches and looking for churches, that very very seldom I, I believe do we look at what is the foundation for why this church is existing? Is God in the base of it? Is it God's Word at the base of it, or do we treat it as a as a uh, consumer mentality? Um, in fact, just this last week, and maybe you saw it on Facebook too, and I don't know. There's just I don't know in the back of my mind. There's just something wrong about this. Rochester's top ten places to worship. I thought to myself, really? Who sets that up? And uh, and I thought, you know what, that's okay. I'm not in the top ten. I don't even know who they are. I just saw it on Facebook and I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Not. So, I am thankful this morning that we have a God. That we can serve a Heavenly Father who is patient and loving with us. And as we come together, we, we worship Him and we exalt Him and we get in His Word. And He teaches us how we're to live each and every day. And that's where I want to go with this this morning. How does God expect us What kind of a, to live? What kind of a mindset does God have for us in the body of Christ? Um, if you've been here very long, we know we have kind of a motto that's in our bulletins. Love God, serve people, and grow together. But really, there is a, there is a progression here. Until we truly love God and love mankind as we ought, that's the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So we're, we're to have this mindset that we love God supremely in all things and love our neighbor as ourself, but until we truly love God, we'll not love our neighbor as we ought. And until we learn to love God as we ought, we will not do the second part of that mission statement, serve people. God wants us to have a servant's heart, a servant's spirit, it's one of the things I really appreciate about the college that I went to. Uh, the the, the model for our college was go out of the way, serve. And for those of you that didn't know anything about Northland, you really did have to go out of the way because it's hours into the woods of Wisconsin. And uh, it is out of the way. But the mindset was that you're going out of the way to learn to serve people and to have the heart of God in this thing. So I'm really thankful that God in His grace and in His mercy uh, has a wonderful plan for us. In fact, in Genesis, God tells us that He made man in His own image and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then He goes on and tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, He says this, For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of His Son, so that we would be the firstborn among many brothers. He, God, predestined us to be like His Son, Jesus Christ. And that was God's masterful plan for you and me once We become a child of God, to become like His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, if it was within God's design for us to be like His Son, Jesus Christ, we need to know what Jesus was like. Is that right? If if He wants us to be like His Son, we have to know what His Son was like. And so, uh, now I want you to understand something here today. Um... We could not, inside in our church service, possibly go through all the characteristics and attributes of Jesus Christ. We understand that, right? So this morning, for our purposes today, uh, we are going to look at one aspect of Christ's life, and that was His servant's spirit, His servant's heart. So we're going to look at the the example that Jesus Christ gave us in serving. So first of all, I want to just give a kind of a preliminary verse to kind of kick off this message this morning. And it's found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. So if you would... Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Uh, and this is really interesting because, once again, this is counter-cultural. And we talk about what is culture, what is what is the relevancy of the Word of God in the culture that we live in. We live in a self-centered culture society where everything really is all about us. And all of life falls into the category of how it makes us feel how it makes us react and act to what's going on around us, but the example that Christ gave us is really countercultural. In a culture that is all about serving self, Christ says, "Not that's not how it works. That's not what it's all about." And He demonstrated with His life, because in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 it says, "For even the Son of Man did not come to be served." Which I think that is, in, in, that, to me, that is just incredible. We have the God of the universe who becomes incarnate flesh as mankind and goes through everything that man goes through, yet without sin. I mean, He lays aside the splendor of heaven. He lays aside uh, so so much of His awesome power and comes down to earth as man. And He has all the ability, all the position, all the power to have servants, yet that was not why He came. So for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. And once again, here's the idea. If God wanted us, before the foundations of the world, to be conformed to the image of His Son, and His Son was a servant, what should our life be characterized by? Being a servant. Question this morning. I don't want you to raise your hand loud and proud, but I want you to be honest. Does your life, represent being a servant of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that more here as we go on. But Jesus Christ's example that He left for us is that He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. So, John chapter 13, if you would take your Bibles and turn there. We're going to see this exemplified not only in His statements, but also in His actions. So John chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and then again down verses 12 through 17. Verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Isn't that amazing? He loved to the bitter end. Verse 2. Now by the time of supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Simon the son to betray him. Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Unbelievable believable what has just taken place here remember jesus is not just an ordinary man is he jesus is god in the flesh down on earth and so being god in the flesh he knows all things and he knows that he's about to be betrayed he knows that his life is in jeopardy here and yet what does he do in his final hours he gets a basin of water brings his men over and begins to wash their feet and then to dry them with the towel that is around his neck look down at verse 12 we see a little bit of the reasoning when jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe he reclined again and said to them do you know what i have done for you you call me teacher and lord and this is well said for i am So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What's he teaching them? You need to be a servant. Now I want you to think about this just for a moment. Being a servant. Um, we talked about this just a little bit on Friday night, about how beautiful are the feet of them on the mountains as that uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The feet. I don't know about you, but this does not sound incredibly fun to do. The roads. Consider the roads just for a moment. Put in your mind's eye the Roman roads, the, the roads that led to and, to and from the, the countryside and the, and the pastures and so forth. Nice, paved, clean roads. Not. Dusty. Dirty. And for some of you that have been to some of the third world countries, maybe some of the African countries, countries on the continent of Africa, if you've been to Asia, any of those countries in Asia, if you've been to India, one thing that you'll find that's true and consistent with all these countries is that you'll find unsanitary conditions around the dirt roads that go in and through the cities and villages. Human refuse up and down the roads, dirty, unsanitary. These are the roads that many of them walked on. And then if you consider the nice closed toes shoes that they wore, the Nike Shocks, the stride rights. Right? No. Open-toed sandals. Where all those things that are on the Roman roads got into their toe cracks. Toe jam was the least of their worries. Not a good environment. Not a clean environment. And these men, as they would walk around, and Jesus comes into them and begins to take a basin of water, And begins to wash their feet. Now you get a picture of how nasty the situation was, truly. But then how humble our Lord and Savior was in washing the feet of His disciples. And especially of one who was about to betray Him. And then to take His time and to be a servant to His disciples. That to me is truly amazing. If we are going to be a picture of Christ, it's not just about doing things. A lot of people can do things, right? We understand that. It's not just about, quote-unquote, doing things for God. But I think there's also a picture of humility and a heart that says, I want to serve. Not out of duty, not out of command, but out of delight. This is the example that our Lord gave us. In fact, how far did He take it? Let's look at this familiar passage. You know where I'm going, Philippians chapter 2. Over to the right in our Bibles, a few books over. Philippians in chapter 2. Christ's humility exemplified majorly here. He says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Let's just stop right there. Where there is no subject, it's understood you. So, put yourself in here. It says, you, the reader. You, the person who is receiving this. You make your attitude that of Christ Jesus. Well, what was his attitude? Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Think about that. He laid aside the splendor of heaven. He took on the limitations of the flesh. In his position, he could have had anything he wanted. But he laid it aside. Fatigue. His feelings. I mean, he wept over Lazarus when he died. He hungered. I mean, he took on the limitations of the flesh. So as something to be used for his own advantage, he didn't say, well, I'm God in the flesh, so I'm going to make life easy for myself. Instead, he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he comes as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. When you consider that, there is no greater example of servitude than the example that our Lord gave us. And that's why I said back in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The example that he gave us was even to the point of death. So what does that teach us as children of God? We are to be the picture of Christ in our areas of service, not just while it's convenient, not just for a period of time, but until the end of our time is come. Were to be a servant. So what does it mean to be a servant? What does it mean to have a servant's spirit, a servant's heart? I'm going to give you just three little areas that come to my mind, and I think are exemplified in Scripture. Number one, having a servant's spirit or heart is a mindset that one places him or herself at the service of another intentionally to meet needs. Let me say it again. Having a servant's spirit or a servant's heart is a mindset. In other words, have this attitude got, uh, Paul is telling us in the book of Philippians, have this mindset. Have this attitude. Make up your mind that this is going to be how you are choosing to live. So it's a mindset that one that places him or herself at the service of another intentionally to meet their needs intentionally number 2 for the child of god ultimately it means we're to be at his call we're to be at his call whatever that means not if it's convenient not if you can understand what he's asking not just when it's you know convenient for us in our time and with everything we have going on but we're to be at his call and then number 3 Looking at the example of Jesus Christ, we also come to understand that a true servant willing, willingly gives up and sacrifices his rights. Who had, by means of position, more rights than Jesus Christ? He is God in the flesh. Who had more authority than that? No one. And yet he laid them aside. You see, here's what really where the rubber meets the road. Do I intentionally have the mindset that I'm going to serve others? We talked about this a little bit Friday night, but you know, it's, it's not easy. Is anybody not busy? It's exactly what I thought. We're all busy. We all have things to do. We all have agendas. We all have time frames. We all have things that we want to get done. We have expectations in life of how we're going to wake up and live this day and serve and and give... The question is this. Do we intentionally serve others and be a picture of Christ in serving others? It's not convenient. I'm just telling you. It's not convenient. Um, I used the example of... uh, Pastor Jim brought it up the other night. Driving down the road, and I see my friend who owns the Mexican restaurant, and he's pushing his car trying to jump start his little Honda Civic by himself. He's trying to get it going fast enough so he can jump in the driver's seat and pop the clutch and get it going again. It's 10:15 at night. I'm tired. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts. You gonna stop? <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, got to go to Walmart. Got things to do. Yeah, but you gonna stop? run back, take two minutes, get the jumper cables out, boom, done, on your way. It's never convenient. And it's amazing how often that when we look for opportunities to serve, they're everywhere. But the question is, will we intentionally have the mind of Christ in this matter and serve those who need to be served? And that requires us laying aside and sacrificing our own rights, I have the right to go right past that guy, don't I? I have the right. I'm American. I have I have the ability to do whatever I want, right? But as a child of God, we surrender those rights. Say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Your example is that you gave, and you didn't come to be served. You came to serve and give your life a ransom for many. And it's something we have to choose to have when it comes to this mindset. look at some other examples here. So, it's it's a mindset that one places on him or herself to place himself at the service of another intentionally to meet their needs, to be at God's beck and call. And following his example, we understand that having a servant's heart and spirit means to willingly give up our sacrifice, our rights. So, look at the example here of how Sometimes it doesn't work out right. Matthew chapter 20. Turn over to Matthew chapter 20 if you would. This one is a mind-boggling situation here for me. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons she knelt down to ask him for something and jesus replies what do you want he asked her. promise she said to him that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom now just stop right there isn't that pretty bold I mean, isn't that really bold? I mean, the thing about it, it's like walking up to the CEO. Now, you understand that my son is really gifted, and you need to make him your right-hand man when you pass, you know, right now. I mean, right now, so that when you die, my son can just take over the company. Isn't that, like, bold? Yeah, there's those of people out there. They're everywhere. So she's talking to Jesus, no less. But Jesus answered, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Oh. We are able, she says to him. And he told them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and left is not mine to give. Instead, it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten disciples heard this, They became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them. The men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. This is not about having authority. It's not about having position. It's not about being the next in line. It's not about being the one that everybody notices. It must not be like that among you. And if I could reiterate the, the words of Christ to a body of believers, it's not about that. It's not about having the position that everybody notices. Here's what he says. It's, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what is it? servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. When you think about that, it really comes down to having two mindsets. There's two mindsets that are obvious in this passage. The one is serve me. You know, I, don't, I know I can only surmise to some extent what mom was thinking. Approaching Jesus and saying, Hey, these are my two gifted children. They're really smart and they're really gifted and they're really good kids. I don't know what mom was thinking. Maybe mom was trying to look out for their future. Maybe mom was making sure that somehow the position was in place so that they would have some authority. I, I don't know. But she didn't understand what she was asking. But the bottom line is there's a mindset here. Serve me. And then Jesus Christ gives us the alternative mindset. Serve others. Serve others. And that's really the choice of life today. We can go through life saying, serve me, which is the mindset of so many. Or we can go through life saying, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? That's a choice that we have to make daily. And it starts in our homes, where you would think it would be so easy. But it starts for us in our house, the first time we... You know, the alarm goes off in the morning, and what happens immediately as I put my feet on the floor? My dog in the kennel below starts, drives me insane. Our dog is in the kennel for the night. I put my foot on the floor, and it starts. And here's the question. Who's going to go to the kennel first? Am Am I lying, kids, in my family? All of us are thinking the same thing. Who's going to let the dog out? Who wants to be the servant? Who wants to go down the stairs, walk to the corner, open the hatch, and go boom as the dog takes two steps on the on the stairwell up out the door? Who wants to go down there first? I have to admit, it's not usually me. I don't want to. Do, I don't want to go down those stupid stairs. Not for the purpose of the dogs anymore. But, you know, that's how simple it is. It starts every day. Who wants to serve who? And who's going to make the lunches for the kids? And who's going to fill in the blank? Yeah, Mom does. (laughs) Just saying. But here, isn't it so simple? That's where it starts in our houses every morning, doesn't it? Who's going to shut the light off? Who's going to shut the TV off? Who's going to get up and be inconvenienced to serve someone else? It's every day right there in our homes. And then we go to the store. Have you already noticed it? Have you already caught the glimpse of people who are on a rampage? Man, I like to avoid stores. But it's already starting. My wife and I were trying to walk through Wegmans the other day, and she goes, you know, she looks at me and she goes, whoa. There, there you go. Stampede. But that's the world that we live in. It's all about me and what I have to do and my agenda. And I want to get what I need before you get what you need because I'm in a hurry and what I have to do is more important than what you have to do. And life is taking place. And this is the very thing that Jesus was pointing out. You don't know what you're asking. If you want to be first, you better make yourself last. If you want to be great among you, you better be the servant of all, the slave of all. It's a mindset that Paul says you need to put on because it's not natural. That's not something we want to pick up. But it's something that Jesus Christ demonstrates. And one of the things that I believe that God would have for us to do and to be as a church is to have the heart of a servant and to serve each other and those even outside our body for the glory of God. I'm not sure what Mom was thinking here. Or if she was thinking. But it demonstrates what so much of our culture believes. It's all about me. It's all about me. Romans chapter 12 is really an interesting chapter when it has how it relates to serving. But Romans chapter 12, verse 3 specifically says For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone. Among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Oops, too late. <laughs> Already got that one covered. I'm a pretty good person. No, we're really not. He says, don't think of yourself highly. Don't, don't, don't. You have to understand. You're not as great as you think you are. Sorry to burst the bubble, but you're not. But that's our mindset. Matthew chapter 23. It's over a couple of pages from our text. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 11 and 12 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So you want to know the path to exaltation? Exalt someone else. You want to be a leader? Serve. Having a heart or a spirit of a servant begins with humility. And where we just simply acknowledge, I'm nothing. I am nobody. My needs are not more pressing than yours. My agenda, it's not... How can we put others first in humility? But here's what I want to close with us today. I wonder what... I wonder how this spirit, this servant spirit, having this kind of a heart... In our church, how it would impact us? How it would impact our community if this mindset was evident within. Now let me brag on you just for a moment. about three or four times in the last two weeks, someone asked me, he said, Pastor, what do you think the percentage are percentages are of people who serve in your church? I thought to myself for a moment, you know, and I thought, like, you know what? We have a ton of people who serve. We really do. I can go down through every row and see people who are busy doing something for the Lord. That's awesome. We don't have just 80% of the church sitting around saying, well, someone else can do it. We really are blessed. God has been good. And some of you ought to be, I know you don't do it for an boy, but great job. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. But beyond just doing something, if I could say it this way. I wonder, what would the Church of Jesus Christ look like if we had this mindset to the fullest amongst the members of our local body? There would certainly be several things that came to my mind. More peace. More peace. Well, you say, well, what does having a servant spirit have to do with peace? Well, because we're not running around looking how we can serve ourselves. And when it's not about me and it's all about you and I promote you and your goodness and your, there's peace, because I don't have to have my way. I know you want to do it differently than I do it. that's OK. There'd be more peace. Or how about more camaraderie? More camaraderie? We're working together to cause a greater, for the greater, for the greater good, for the cause of Christ. More camaraderie. We're, we're together. We're unified. More unity. When we're serving together. And another thing that came to my mind, more would be accomplished. Because, you know, it's amazing. We look over how things happen within the body of Christ. Um, when we work together, more is accomplished. Um, Penny, if I could break just for a second. Penny said years ago, she goes, I really wanted to do this, uh, you know, Christmas thing and you know, I do it but, but if it's just an idea and it doesn't go any further nothing happens nothing changes but when we begin to work together to do something and God's obviously in it because he brings out the people to help with it then more is accomplished for the cause of Christ because now we have families coming in because of a simple act of kindness and a simple act of generosity A simple act of serving our community to some extent. I've said it many times. I'm a big idea guy. I'm not a detail guy. If you haven't figured that out yet, I'm sorry. I want to say yes to everybody, and I struggle with getting all the yeses done, but I'm trying. But I'm a big idea guy. Enter Nick, the harvest party. I love that. You know why it works? Because we all work together. If it, if it only stays at one person doing something, it doesn't go anywhere. It takes all of us serving each other and serving together. Serving the, for the greater good, for the cause of Christ. And we could go on. There's so many of you that serve in areas. Luke chapter 22, verse 27, he asks a question: For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Who's greater? I mean, obviously, the one sitting is being served is obviously a place of uh, prominence, a place of, uh, you know, where look at me. I mean, I have people serving me, right? I mean, so you must be greater, right? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. That's the example that Christ gave us. Are we willing to take on that challenge? I would, I would certainly hope so that as our church grows and as our church does the best that we can to fulfill God's will in our lives, that we would have this mindset and as people come into the membership of Harvest Soil Fellowship, that we would take on this idea of serving others for the cause of Christ. We could sit and look at all the verses, faith without work is dead, and, and we'd say, yeah, it's true, it's wonderful. But it's not just about doing we say well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for you are His workmanship, created unto good works. Yeah, God made you for that. We understand that. But it's not just about doing. We can be careful. We get If all we do is get caught up in the doing, we've missed the point of what it means to be a servant. See, because a servant, it's a mindset where well, I am willingly laying down my rights, my agenda, to intentionally serve others without expecting anything in return. It's not about me. It's about Him. And having this mindset within our body of Christ. So, the question I just want to close with this morning is, do you have that servant's heart? Are you willing to lay aside your own rights? Are you willing to sacrifice what we would maybe deserve? Maybe what we... I don't want say, God, what do you want? And how can I serve you? Are we willing to be at God's call? Willingly? Sacrificially? Be an example of Jesus Christ? That's only something you and God know the answer to. But I trust that as our church comes together, remember the church is not the building, it's not the facility here, it's each and every one of us. The church goes to work. The church goes to school. The church goes to the gas station. The church goes to Wegmans. Let's be the church. Let's be servants of Jesus Christ. And especially as we come back together, serving one another and having this mindset as members of and, and, and people of Harvest Bible Fellowship.